interesting enough Kenya has been doing um exploration okay. exploration now that means you know looking for oil and gas since 1960 yeah so for that now don't forget also Kenya has been doing midstream and downstream so midstream yeah. meaning we've been uh, piping the oil mm-hmm. from Mombasa you know we, we we buy oil we from other countries yes. from uh, the Arab countries yeah. from the US you know everywhere and then now we of course bring it to the country that's how you have fuel in your car yeah. so the pipeline in terms of midstream and downstream we have we do yeah. it perfectly but upstream we haven't been doing which upstream is actually um the actually getting of the oil out of the ground so for now uh, the only commercial, commercially viable deposits are in uh, Trukana but it has been 60 years since we started um looking for oil let's get Everybody, welcome to the GVA Legal Podcast. I am your host, Annette Akama. Karibu sana to episode 23 and I am joined by my fabulous co-host. Andrew Njenga. Hey everybody, karibu ni sana. And today in studio, we have Miss Alaka Lugonzo. Say hi, Alaka. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for taking your time to come talk to us, Alaka, um, and for this very, very interesting topic. Yes, so today we're going to be discussing everything oil and gas in Kenya and the extractive sector in Kenya generally. So I'm just going to start off by introducing Miss Alaka Lugonzo. She is an extractive strategist at Oxfam in Kenya. And Alaka is an advocate of the High Court of Kenya. She has an LLM in Energy Law and Policy from the University of Dundee in Scotland. Her core interest and passion are in local content, technology, and gender in the extractive sector in Kenya as an emerging market. Fantastic. Imagine Alaka's uh, experience includes growing a new organization po- um, through policy, advocacy, capacity building, lobbying and creating professional and business opportunities for women along the energy, oil and gas and mining value chain. She is also the recipient of the Women in Business Award 2019 under the Environmental and Natural Resources category. I'm telling you, I don't even know. Like, give me an army of women. <laughs> Alaka, this is fantastic. Impressive. Thank you. Yeah, thank it's you, so thank impressive. You um, Alaka and I were in law school together. We've, yep. as, as I think now we can say that we we've known each other from way back. Can you imagine? Because ten years, that's ten, ten years. years. Yes, yeah. ten years. Ooh. Yeah, and that's go by so quickly. Actually, I know. I know yeah, yeah. yeah, it's been a decade anyway um so we can go straight into our conversation today as um Annette has said we're, we're talking about oil and gas yes so take it away so alaka before we begin for me oil and gas has always been something that i consider distant in terms of how does it really affect me or what would be the implication of the extractive sector in kenya mm-hmm. for me it seems very exclusive mm-hmm. it seems to benefit a few people seemingly uh, uh, you know like a few people a certain type of personal people for me it seems like something that it's neither here nor there for me in terms of the benefit that it would have on a citizen perhaps it may grow the micro the microeconomy true yes mm-hmm. but i mean for an for an individual to actively take interest in it the way you have mm-hmm. to go to school and study it yeah. and to develop a career in it mm-hmm. um i think it would be a good place to start by explaining um what what are the prospects of oil and gas in kenya how does it relate to a regular citizen why should we take interest in it and um what just motivated you to 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 venture into this and create a career in this okay maybe i can start with what motivated me and then move into um the prospects for kenya so yeah mine was very interesting and we was working at the law firm we were actually uh doing a bit of mining stuff okay. so my boss um took on some work from base titanium i don't know if you know base titanium they're yes. doing titanium in kenya yes. so when they came in they were referred to my then boss and everybody was just running away from him when he kept asking who wants to help with this research so yeah. it landed on my desk so by default i started you know looking at the mining sector it was also very new to me yeah. because then i was a litigation um I was doing a lot of litigation at the law firm. Yeah. So started doing the research and that time there was a lot of um talk around um the mining act uh, trying to come up. Uh, that was about 2012 there about so. Uh. Yeah. So when you stumble onto mining I mean the next thing that pops up is you know oil and gas. Yeah. So did a bit of uh, research for my boss on base titanium and then started thinking oh this looks like a good you know area of um I can go into. Yeah. And I was looking at it as an advocate you know as an advocate when you're looking to advance your career yeah. and do a masters because I was a litigation advocate so yeah. and I did want to get into commercial yeah. so I was thinking what else can I be able to do yeah. so I started doing a bit of research around it and I was like oh there's actually a whole field you know of um oil and gas and mining but yeah. I came in through the mining bit yes. so um did a bit of research tried to 
to speak to people who've done this, you know, who are doing this as a career. Yeah. But it was mainly engineers, you know, geologists. And I was like, where are the lawyers? Yeah. So when I was going into this, I was going into this with the, you know, the legal mindset of who's going to be doing the agreements. Yes. You know, who's going to be help, um, aiding in the licensing, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. So... That's what happened to me. So that's how I ended up in this sector by default. I um, started looking around for, you know, a master's degree because mm-hmm. I didn't want to also get into the sector, um, you know, the way other people get into the sector by default. So yeah. I ended up in the UK, did a master's and I came back and that's how I ended up in the sector. Mm. So I was actually running away from litigation. Yeah. <laughs> then I ended up, I actually ended up here. And the yeah. guy I actually spoke to was my mom's very good friend. So okay. my mom was like, I think I know somebody who can be able to aid you in this sector. Then he spoke yes. to me when the uni came to Kenya, I went yeah. to their meeting and they said, okay, fine, um, do it. And my first attempt of actually going to do a master's was commercial law and it failed miserably. Oh, really? So I applied and they gave me the, you know, they, I applied for it. And then when I went to get my visa, the guys, guys, guys are like, nope, mm. no visa. My second attempt. Can you imagine? I'm yeah. wanting to go do now oil and gas is when they're like, okay, fine. Yeah. We are admitting you. Let's go. You know, go do it. And here, and here I am a few, yeah. four, five years later, mm. uh, totally, you know, away from litigation, doing something totally different. Who would yeah. have thought? Yeah. yeah. I see. Mm. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah. I think it was taking an opportunity that was, you know, right there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So and your next question about discoveries in Kenya. Interesting enough, Kenya has been doing... Um, exploration. Okay. Exploration now that means, you know, looking for oil and gas since 1960. Yeah. So, um, gosh, 1960. Can you imagine? No idea. Yeah. <laughs> because you see, we're an, uh, we're an agricultural nation. Yeah. Mm. So we just purely do agriculture. But, you know, we, we have um, organizations like National Oil who yeah. have actually been doing exploration. But it's been small. It's been small time. Yeah. It's been in um, different areas. So they've been trying, uh, they've been trying in Mombasa, they've been trying in Turkana, they've been trying everywhere, literally. Yeah. But nothing, you know, commercially viable. So yeah. for, the, for the last, my God, 50, 60 years we've been yeah. doing exploration until recently, of course, yeah. in 2012 when um, now they stumbled onto the Lokichar base and now in Turkana. Yeah. Mm. So currently as we speak, um, Gamia 1, that is what is in Lokichar, yeah. is, is what is considered commercially um, viable. viable. Yeah. yeah. And for that now, don't forget also Kenya has been doing midstream and downstream. So midstream yeah. meaning we've been uh, piping the oil mm-hmm. from Mombasa. You know, we, we, we buy oil we, from other countries, yes. from uh, the Arab countries, yeah. from the US, you know, everywhere. And then now we, of course, bring it to the country. That's how you have fuel in your car. Yeah. So the pipeline in terms of midstream and downstream, we have, we do yeah. it perfectly. But upstream, we haven't been doing, which upstream is actually um, the actually getting of the oil out of the ground. So for now, uh, the only commercial, commercially viable deposits are in uh, Trukana. But it has been 60 years since we started um, looking for oil. And when was the oil discovered then, if you've been searching it for 60 years? Just 20, the other day, Yeah, right? 2012. Yeah, but you see, um, exploration of oil, oof, my friend, um, it needs money. Yeah. Do we have the money? Because when you do, when you look at the budget, the amount of money that actually goes towards some of these um things like exploration, it's very little. I mean, yeah. because Kenya is actually concentrating on manufacturing, it's concentrating on agriculture. So, if it's not if it's not a priority or a key area, I mean, as government, if yeah. healthcare is a key area, agriculture is a key area, manufacturing is a key area, housing, housing <laughs> is a key area. We are not looking for we are what? not looking actively for oil. Okay, national oil is doing. Eh, okay, let's try here. Mm, let's try there. And they are also not advertising, you know, actively outside there and going. Look, we want oil. Can we get people to bid and actually do this exploration. Exactly. So until recently is when they were actually like, okay, actually there's oil. And you know, conversations around oil started because of mining. Mm. So they follow one another. So you can find a country has very good, you know, viable mining deposits, but yeah. uh, then people are like, okay, you guys are doing mining. So the international um, market or the international the globally, the world is interested um, in you when you have minerals, but oil is a catch. Yeah. Oil is a catch. I mean, look at Uganda, look at Nigeria. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Angola for the longest time they've had oil. The sadly, Gaddafi um, yeah. in Libya, as in why was what, what the, inc- the incidents that were happening in Libya is because of their oil. Yeah. So, as much as it is um, a good thing, sometimes it's a blessing, sometimes it's a curse. Yeah. 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 But for us, at least we've been able to develop our agricultural industry. I'm hoping that now with the oil and gas, it can be able to be like a catalyst, you okay. know, to take our industries to the next level all right yes fantastic um so you've uh, said that um oil has um been discovered in trukana yes is it just oil or is oil and gas as well oil gas and water we actually have very big uh, water aquifers yeah. Yeah. in trukana I've which is very that. interesting considering it is yeah and that water they were saying it's enough to supply trukana for the next 30 40 years yeah. it's yeah. a lot a lot of water and it's, it's funny that um we are just thinking about getting the oil out of the ground. I mean, the 
least your environment should be on the ground trying to see how they can be able to get that water and change the you know the the, the prospects of the Turkana people yeah, because the topography of exactly of Turkana, people are, yeah. these guys are pastoralists the Turkana people are pastoralists it's no longer it's and, and land is being demarcated every day you know it's shrinking and it's shrinking and people are being told to settle down what are these pastoralists going to do what are they going to eat this is an opportunity for government to come in and say look settle down there's water let's do irrigation i mean israel yeah. was mm. in dubai was a desert yeah. and now it's green i mean you can go to dubai and it's green everywhere but where is the water coming from yeah. so you can imagine this there are very many it's a blessing it's a very, it's very good for the country to actually look at the other things that accompany you know oil and gas yeah. and um so with the water i think water is good is good for us mm. oil let's see how, it's it's not much it's about 4 million barrels if you're comparing it to what nigeria has and what uganda has it's 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 little yeah yeah but it's viable it's commercially viable you can yeah. get it out of the ground you can actually um pump you know uh, whether you're taking it through the pipes or whether you're you know taking it through the rail you can actually refine it and we can do something with it yeah yes so 4 million barrels is little very if you're comparing to what Uganda has and what Nigeria oh, yeah. has, has for, for the, sure. yeah. yeah so it's 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 and little i'm putting little in quotes because yes it is it is viable and of course there are conversations of should we leave it on the in the ground and should we concentrate on the water and everything but no let's get it out i mean we we need the oil we actually need the oil because it's also going to contribute uh, significantly to the gdp mm. so yeah. i say get it out but find a smart way to get it out of yeah. the ground find a a um economical way to get it out of the ground you can't be paying um the big you know the big ticket um oil companies to come in find a mid a company that will also for the government to be able to benefit from the profit oil that comes out of it because once cost oil recovery especially for oil and gas companies is pretty huge so if these guys are you know draft a pnl and most of the money is going towards recovering their costs because what normally mm. happens is you get into a production sharing agreement with government mm-hmm. but they, but the oil and gas company tells you look this is our cost oil Once you get the oil out of the ground we expect you to pay for you know the people we bring in the, the machines once you've sold the oil eh, this is what we are going to recover and government also is going to recover something it yeah. needs to make sense government cannot be losing yet they are the ones who's given the license you know to the operator to come exactly. into the ground yeah. so those are the conversations that are currently happening right now in the sector yeah. talo has been doing exploration for a couple of years but now we are going into the production phase so now they are having those conversations to move you know, to get a production license so yeah. is talo the best you know the best uh, company to do that or should we get another company to actually get the oil out of the ground but that's where we are at with yeah. um, the sector right now what about the the gas it's not how, much how does that work um, um, now gas is easier to yeah. actually the moment you start digging it's just you it see just the like story releases, in yes. uh, was it uh, kajado mm. where this guy has a farm and then he keeps saying there's some white thing coming out of the ground yeah, yeah. and he didn't know what it was then um, he went around he's been asking around nobody seems seemingly doesn't not know what's happening then eventually somebody told him um i think that's gas mm. go speak to the ministry of uh, petroleum they come and you know they do a check so the geologists came and they you know they they discovered this quite a bit of gas underground so yeah. it's much easier to actually get gas out of the ground because i mean it just it just comes yeah. up anyway yeah, yeah. you oil, don't have to dig into yeah, it now yeah now for oil is different you literally have to do the seismic and the geological and ge- <coughs> the geophysical survey yeah. you know discover how many barrels are on the ground so there's much more money to get out um that needs to be uh, you know you need to get the oil out of the ground as opposed to gas i don't know whether government is considering gas as a viable option i don't know because they 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 hardly ever talk about it they talk about the oil they talk about the water but people are seemingly quiet on the lpg Mm. Yeah so I don't know if it they, they don't have the knowledge on it or they're just not looking at it as as it's viable or maybe they've just not measured to discover how much lpg they can be able to get to get yeah. out of it yeah or there are too many players in the market because Tanzania has a lot of lpg Tanzania mm. is actually getting the lpg out of the ground them they're like you know we may not have oil but we do have quite a bit of gas and it's going to really contribute significantly to the economy yeah. yeah yeah so it's it's i guess it's interest it's competing interest is it the oil is it the water is it the gas and i guess for now the oil is is taking you know precedent above even the gas and the the water, water. the water yes yeah. okay mm-hmm. so my next question i note that when i was doing my research around this area i was on the talo website yeah and when i looked at the development the extraction and development stages yes i realized that they've been doing this for 10 years mm-hmm. and so um w- w- when do you think we can get to the stage of actual extraction and um basically making it commercial in a sense because they've been exploring for 10 years but i feel as though it beats the purpose when we want to get quick returns when we want to you know see that this is something that will make sense and will contribute to the economy so basically in terms of the development stages yeah. and i i'm not sure if they're the only explorers or if any other um, entity has been given a license to explore but um, okay um <laughs> to be honest yeah 
let me just start by saying disclaimer yeah. the life cycle of an oil project is between 25 to 35 years so <laughs> seemingly everybody um let me give you let me give a very interesting um analogy when talo was in turkana take you back and they made, they started tracking now the eops project and we will talk about it they started tracking the oil um from turkana to you know to mombasa yeah people in lodwa the the people in turkana were saying they want to be that money to be put in the bank and they want atms so yeah. for them <laughs> for them they are thinking that government has already gotten the oil out oil of the ground yes. yeah. and the money is already has there been paid. so them they want yeah. to be given the, they want to be given bank accounts and atms yeah. and they want that money yeah. then they want to go and insert an atm into yeah. the into a, you know an atm machine money. and remove that money let that money come out but interestingly that's the most interesting thing about the oil and gas um, sector is that the knowledge, if you're seeking the knowledge you'll actually you know you'll actually find the knowledge so yeah. currently talo is the operator but yeah. it has two jv partners african oil and total yeah. so jo- the three of them are actually developing that um dengamia one yeah. so what normally happens in, in in that situation is that the moment you discover oil eh, all yeah. systems stop then you come to government in Tushan. so government will give you a prospecting um so what they had was a prospecting license yeah. mm. so they they they, they gave out the prospecting license so yeah. that prospecting license also um uh, goes hand in hand with the exploration license yeah. so depending on how long you've been doing prospecting i mean you can't be here in the country doing prospecting for 25 years That's what, I what are you doing yeah. so they give you a two year two uh, two year or three year license yeah. within that time if you haven't done anything you relinquish the license and the block yeah. so your license expires if you want to apply they give you a grace period and they tell you look you've been here for two years what have you been doing is there anything that you lack can we be able to create a better environment yeah. for you to work so that's how government normally works yeah so currently talo um with the jv partners <coughs> african oil yeah. and um, tatal have the one doing the the prospecting that is now since 2010 jv means joint venture oh, yes joint. <laughs> sorry i, I think doing. everybody will know yes, lpg sorry. means yes <laughs> yeah. yeah so jo- the joint venture partner so um they actually because what normally happens is sometimes one partner does not have the expertise to do something so you go looking for other partners who you know are experienced in other things like geological survey because there's a geophysical survey okay the geological survey is now digging onto the ground mm. and actually finding you know what's happening the geophysical is literally like using planes and science to actually discover what's in the ground yeah. so for the last 10 years or so that's what they've been doing it takes a bit of time because also don't don't forget oil is technical these are all technical things so it moves away yeah. from the league you know the legalities of it all and now yeah. it moves into the engineers what the engineers are doing yes. what the geologists are doing you know what the welders are doing so it it was a big project then yeah so they estimate they give you your license for two years yeah um but also don't forget their negotiations process there you have to bring in equipment so you're more likely to get a, an extension on your license so for the last okay. few years that's what they've been doing since 2010 so they discovered it in 2020 2010 talo got a license in 2012 so the jv partners by the time they come in that's 2012 2014 2015 you know we've been moving yeah. so actually they've tried with the last couple of years they have actually tried to do the exploration because other companies take longer yeah you know mm-hmm. to do the exploration so that's what has been happening um right now yeah basic exploration nothing is yet to leave nothing significant is yet to leave the ground because yeah. of the technicality of how the process you know works out so yes. that basically goes into um the process of the oil and gas so you asked about um why the oil has not come out of the ground yes. is because we are still at exploration stage so once government is satisfied with the exploration that you've done and you de- you've declared x number of barrels they tell you okay come let's sit down let's decide on cost oil let's decide on profit oil if yes. you're going to actually dig and get this oil out of the ground how many barrels are you re- removing per day yeah. how much money is if government takes this oil out because our oil is waxy so you remember the eops project now let me back up eh? so when they were doing the exploration stage government said okay let's test this oil with the market yeah. so that's what was the eops project yeah. so the early oil pilot early oil pilot scheme yeah. so they took a bit of the oil from the ground it's just like testing so it's just te- it's a li- it was very very little significant very like it wasn't even going to make us a lot of money so they took the oil out of the ground and they tracked it from Turkana all the way to Lamu and then to the port and then it was exported mm-hmm. to the OPEC countries so it went into the market like any other oil yeah so when it got into the market countries bid so what normally happens is that at the OPEC OPEC is um it's like the market it's like 
soko mjinga yeah. for example so <laughs> for if somebody oil. yes if somebody <laughs> brings their, your nyanyas you, you bring your nyanyas somebody yeah. brings their tomatoes somebody is like no 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 these ones are from kinagop i don't want them these ones are from nakuru i don't want them yeah. these ones are from you know kericho i don't want them yeah. but this one from kenya mm-hmm. it's pretty good i think I, i want it then they bid a price on it mm-hmm. so they, of course there's a base price say for example it's four dollars per barrel then you bid it's like the people bid for their price it doesn't go higher than you know it's, it doesn't go higher than x amount you know yeah then so our oil is actually commercially viable it actually sold mm-hmm. on the market and yeah. we got some money out of i think about four billion um uh, kenya shillings it okay. was actually good so now government was like okay so it, this is actually something we can be able to do the then that's how the eops project came about but now this the eops project was in 2019 okay flowing into 2020 then yeah. enter covid 19 So a lot of um activities that have been happening on the ground have stalled yeah. simply because one um government is at the point of negotiating to get into a uh, production and development mm-hmm. phase because exploration is 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 has come to an end. So they gave Talo um so Talo of course because of covid they declared force majeure. Yeah. Um I'm hoping everyone understands force majeure. Well well an, an act of god. <laughs> yes. Because of the pandemic. Yes. Yeah, they declared force majeure. So all systems you know stopped. So people have the so what the company what government told them okay fine we understand covid travel restriction you know government has banned movements and, and activities so then they told them okay even if we've declared uh, force majeure um can you prepare a work plan a work plan or a development plan meaning how are you going to if we give you the license to produce to develop this oil how is that go- the fil- how is that going to work it's called a full field development plan how is that going to work how are you going to get mm-hmm. the oil out of the ground who are you going to bring in are you going to employ any kenyans you know how is the local content going to look like how is the revenue going to look like how is the environment you know how are you going to deal with the environment so there are so many things that they needed to do so talo has he's supposed to do that until december this year submit it to government government tables it in parliament if it goes through then um talo will be given the license if not government is still shopping around for another um some for another you know oil company to do operation to do production and um development talo is good with um exploration yeah. I, i you can't fault them on that and there are many companies who are like that they just come in do uh, exploration and then quickly sell their license to somebody you know the, to the big ticket companies who can be able to do the production and yeah. the development not the extraction bit yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. because that's a lot of money that needs yeah. a lot a lot a lot of money a lot of money goes into it so it's it's i i i understand government is quiet but i also feel like they should start talking to people and start telling them look we are not quiet because we want to be quiet but because of the technicality of how this oil looks like that is why we are quiet mm-hmm. yeah so there's sort of like a lull period mm-hmm. um i was hoping that um by i'm hoping that by the end of the year actually which is in a couple of months, months yeah. Yeah. yeah they would have done their production the work plan and the fulfill development plan and then they say okay we can do it or we can't do it find somebody else to to do it so it's a lot it's i feel like it's a lot yeah. it's, it's it's heavy yeah mm. i think it's bringing a lot um, more perspective to to a person who probably doesn't engage in oil and gas regularly because yeah. for me i thought it's simple the oil is there the 4 billion barrels are there so why not yeah why not <laughs> why is it not in the market i wish it was i really wish it was <laughs> and then you know it's interesting because somebody says remove that thing and put it in my car you know yeah. like it's crude it's coming out in crude form yes yeah, so it so, needs to be refined exactly it yeah. needs to be refined so who's going to do the refining We close our refineries in Mombasa you know mm. so is government also looking to do to you know rebuild our refineries yeah. it's it wants to build a pipeline you know there are those things that you need to think about so it's it's i would not want to be the ps of petroleum at this point yeah. because he's sitting there <laughs> and he's thinking my god what am i going to do with yeah. all this and yeah. everyone is just in his ear telling him look um mafta it kwapi yeah Yeah. Yeah. That's a question. Of course guys, you know if you have any questions on this podcast, you can reach us on our social media handles, uh, Facebook, Instagram or Twitter, and the handle is at @gvalawfirm.com. Um so you've mentioned a little bit about legislation. Yeah. Um is there currently apart from the mining act, mm-hmm. now you've you've told us once the um full field development plan is out which yes. hopefully will be out by December of yes. this year. Yes. Um it's it's tabled in parliament and then parliament now discusses it. Yes. Um what's what's that what does that process look like? What um <sighs> is it just like a bill like a normal bill in in parliament or mm, interestingly it's um that was um directed by the Petroleum Act 2019. Mm. So um I don't know whether it's fortunately or unfortunately um when Talo started prospecting they were using the Petroleum Act of 1986. 
So you can imagine how outdated, you know, that was. We didn't have oil at that point. Mm. All we were doing is midstream and downstream. I mean, you know, um, importing oil, you know, uh, piping it, taking it to people so that they can fuel their, they can fuel their, literally uh, importing petroleum. So what happened is in 2019, so for the longest, for last 10 years, I guess they've been putting together an act. So the act was enacted last year. No, wait, wait, what, 2019. 2019, yeah, yes. So the Petroleum Act, ago, yeah. yeah, Petroleum Act 2019. So at least now we have law, but we have the law, but um, unfortunately, I mean, the law has followed the process. Uh, traditionally, it should have been the other way around. You first have a law and then you can be able to, you know, negotiate with people. So the model production sharing agreement that Talo got into is based on the 1986 um, act. act. So you And then also another thing that has not happened is that we have not been privy to that contract. So you can imagine there were no laws on contract disclosure. So acts like the Access to Information Act that just came out the other day, um, uh, especially some of us who work in the NGO world, we've been trying to get a hold of that contract. But you mean you get... Uh, barriers every time you ask for it they tell you oh you know confidentiality even though you quote the act they tell you oh you know you know if you do want the, if you get a model PSC, it's heavily redacted mm. like you can't even see what they, they they negotiated so those are some of the things those are some of the issues that you know have been happening but we have we do have an act happily we uh, gladly we do have an act right now but it's heavy it's a heavy act considering we are a frontier we are a frontier country we we've never done this before so you give us a, an act that's you know several, a couple of pages and then you tell us okay here's the act start using it people don't know you know don't know their way around that act so mm. one there's need for capacity building you know um lawyers like us who are you know sitting in some of these spaces you know to advise government and then secondly you have an act that is not so malleable. So we have an act and, and in the petroleum sector, you need to have proper regulations. You know, those regulations will carry the production sharing agreement, things around um, local content. So for the production sharing agreement, a lot of it would be on revenue. The fiscal, exactly. yes. yes. What is government getting out of it? Yeah. What is the, you know, what is the operator getting out of it? What is the Mwanainchi on the ground? Exactly. What are the it? tax incentives? Yeah. Um, are we talking about tax incentives? Um, If you're getting your tallow oils to come in and, you know, to explore, what are the tax incentives? Are mm. you creating a proper environment, you know, for these guys to do their work? And then also stability clauses. How does that stability clause look like? Because the operator will say, I'm not coming in if you're not assuring me you know, stability piece. And you know the issues around Turkana for the longest time, Kapedu. There's mm. been clashes in Kapedu. Kapedu, you know, is right in the middle of um, the border of um, Lokichar where, you know, the oil is being found and on this other side. And there's been wrestling for yeah. years. So how is government assuring peace? How is government, you know, assuring stability because of the issues around insecurity? The economy of Turkana. These guys are pastoralists. They move around. You're telling, you're cordoning some areas, and you're telling them they can't move. They can't get into that those those sections. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So there's some of those conversations people are not having. Mm. Another thing, <laughs> this this always always comes out issues around local content. Are these guys actually bringing in people from outside to do the menial jobs? Mm. Who are the are the cleaners? Are, you know, are the cleaners exactly. Mzungu? Yes. Are the cleaners? You know, white people. Yeah. So are we having those conversations? Who's who are the engineers? You know, is there an understudy for an engineer? Is there an understudy for a geologist? You know, some of those things yeah. they, they look small, but each the, one, teach one. I think my friend used to say yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. for every person that you bring in Kenya, there should be an equivalent so that the person can learn. Yes. And yeah. and how long? Capacity building, as you said. Thank you. And how yeah. long is this person understanding are you going mm. to bring in somebody and then they're going to be an understudy for 25 years yeah how does that look exactly is it yeah so is government actually picking out you know need picking and seeing some of these things and saying look um i think we want to benefit from this thing uh, but how do we benefit from this thing you see also being a frontier country a frontier meaning being a young nation uh, or a mm. young country you know going into oil and gas and mining we can learn from our neighbors we can learn from the nigerians you know on issues around local content we can learn we can learn on the from the nigerians you know on how to get the oil out of the ground issues around the resource cast i mean angola you've seen how what has happened to angola mm. um the daughter of the president ended up with you know three quarter of the oil company and now she has had to return that you know back to the company i think she should be going to jail at some point yeah she's she actually so. living in exile at this point yeah so yeah but she, in dubai yeah. yeah oh yeah where her husband died yeah, yes, yes. Husband died. Yeah. so you can imagine she's she owns half of the oil company that yeah. is <laughs> she's sitting somewhere this is a woman who's a billionaire yeah but because of oil reserves that do not belong to her angola mm. is poor because one person decided no 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 yeah all this oil belongs to me yeah. those are some of the things we need to start thinking about are we just going to be another angola are we going to be another nigeria yes. you know um half of the country is in, living in poverty nigeria does not have electricity yes it mm. has more oil than us yes. electricity should be a catalyst yes. uh, i mean oil should be a catalyst yeah. so some of the i think we are an, an ad, at an advantage because oil is not our main um source of income um as a country so it can be a catalyst and this is how i've looked at the oil sector 
if you have, let me give you an example. If, say for example, Talo is coming to the country and they say they want to use cement, you know, or they want to use um, even nails. Yes. Why should they import it from France? Yeah. Or bring them, or be, let me even give a, a protective gear. Yes. Masks. Uh, what are these things? These yellow Helmets, things people wear. The, yeah, yeah, the, the reflectors. Reflective jackets. Yeah. Yes. So they say, okay, these don't meet our standards because they are made here in River Road. Yeah. So we are going to go to Dubai and import gumboots yeah. and import glasses. You know, those mm. as in the basic masks for yeah. crying out loud. Yeah. If the government would just say, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Is this a good opportunity Some for us? Some of them, yes. Yeah, yeah. for, for businesses. To, local procurement. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. What we don't even have a local supplier, you know, like a database number one. We do this is a point for us to say the river taxes, the industries that have been dead. Isn't it an opportunity for us to say, let's revive some of these industries so they can produce masks mm. so that Talo can buy from us? Cement, yeah. Talo was importing cement, but with Bamburi, with thank you, yeah, the cement was not up to standard. But that should tell you something. This house has been made with cement from where? Bamburi, so are you safe? Yeah, if Talo does not consider your cement up to standard. Mm. There's no, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you just look around and start thinking, oh my God, these buildings have been built with that cement and Talu mm. cannot use it. Yeah. And they're just, they're literally going into the ground, you know? Yeah. So what does that tell you? This was an opportunity for government to say, no, 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 no. We'll, ups, we'll upgrade our industries. We, you know, we'll make them, you know, international, you know, in, uh, reach up to international standards so that Talu can be able to shop, you know, shop internally, yeah. you know, shop locally, shop for Kenya, buy Kenya. things that are, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So why would they import gumboots? For crying out loud, mm. we have a whole Ken Poly here that makes plastics. Yeah. Why would they import gumboots? But mm. they would import gumboots from Dubai. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So some of those things, I think government needs to re- really look at this oil and say, look, it's an opportunity for us to one upscale our industries, our manufacturing industries, our production industries for people to even have jobs because that means the ripple effect is people will have jobs. Exactly. Insecurity will go down. Yeah. And then also, we were trying to move into a 24-hour economy. That's a good opportunity, you know, to move into a 24-hour economy. I mean, have a shift working during the day, have a shift working during at night to increase production. Mm. And then tell people, no, 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 everything you produce, X amount of things, if you're bringing in 50% of, if you want to import, if you want to bring in X percentage of uh, materials, 50% must be sourced locally. Yeah. And then make sure those materials are up to standard. So mm. the challenge also moved into government. But government, you know, I mean, so me and you actually know what happens at this point. So people just want to benefit, but they do not want you know, to provide the economic you know, benefit out of it. So yeah. it's quite unfortunate. Yeah. Gosh, we have a long way then to go. We do. We do. But let me say this. Huh? It's a good opportunity for Kenya to actually go. <clears throat> Mm. Yeah, it's it's not all doom and gloom. I think they're very they're quite they're quite you know they're very good because now we've been exposed to the world. We've been exposed to how the world works, you know, in terms of oil and gas. Because if you're looking at the local content, I wouldn't have a job if Kenya didn't have oil. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sitting here actually having a discussion with yeah, you. Yes. Kenya yeah. Well, so yeah. it's not all doom and gloom. For some of us who have decided that we're going to work in the sector, we will you know find a way to you know find a way to work in the sector. Engineers will know find a way to work in the sector. Geologists will find a way to work in the sector. So it's not all doom, you know, and gloom. The economic benefits for oil, I mean, look at Dubai. Dubai yeah. has oil. Yeah. They've sold their oil now. They've gone into tourism. Look at countries yes. like Norway. Yes. Norway is fantastic because of the oil that they actually have. Yeah. They've decided that they're going to develop their shipping industry, their tourism industry. In Norway, literally, the oil was being managed by parliament. So, you know, education is free. Healthcare is free. Like, literally, mm. they, it's it's bliss in Norway because yeah. of their oil. At some point, the oil, you know, diminishes. It does. Yeah. yeah. So you have to like, find another, something to piggyback yeah. on. Exactly. Yeah. And those cross-sectional developments yes. will go far long after the oil is done. Yeah. Exactly mm. my point. If you develop your industries, it will mean what? When the oil is over, you still have a, a solid manufacturing industry yeah. that can supply the region. Yeah. You have to, look, instead of looking internally, say, okay, we'll consume 30%, we'll export, you know, 70%. Uganda mm. is here trying to build a pipeline in, in Tanzania. Why would they go all the way? Mm. to bring in materials. Why can't they just mm. knock at their neighbors and say, look, we need this, we need local content, we need engineers, yeah. we need geologists. Yeah. Where are you guys? Let's, you know, let's do yeah. this. Yeah. There we go. Let's so we export together. labor. Yes. The Philippines yeah. have been exporting labor for how many years? The Indians have been exporting labor. Why can't we be the ones exporting labor mm. to our neighbors? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it can, it makes it, there's, there's, there's so much hope, but I am just hoping that this government can be able to actually think outside the box. Yeah. Yes. And do you think the infrastructure capacity right now with what it is, has the capacity to at least if this should start production mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be able to facilitate the, for example, refining, transportation, etc. Uh, yeah, let me say no, no, not, 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 not to the best of, you know, our ability, yeah. but we are in talks 
to create a to build a pipeline rather okay. because the, the the pipeline between Kenya, Tanzania and Uganda that conversation you know failed well it failed completely Uganda decided to build one with Tanzania them they've gone their own way so Kenya decided they're going to do it on their own mm. um it's a good idea but again my question is is what are we going to do with the pipeline after the oil is over so those are the conversations we need to start you know talking about can it can can we use it for water can you use it for something else so if we can build a pipeline that we can be able to use for something else uh, even after the oil is um we've, we've diminished our deposits eh, it makes sense to me but there are conversations to create a pipeline all the way from lokichar um mm-hmm. to lamu it's called the elcop uh, pipeline mm-hmm. yeah so it's going it's, it's it's happening so the infrastructure yeah. is actually there so yeah. government is actually not doing such a bad job i can't um fault them they ju- i guess um also the you know <laughs> What can I say? The things that come with oil and gas, there are so many other technicalities that come with it. So we do are in, are in the process of creating the infrastructure, whether it's feasible, um, whether government is thinking about what next after the oil is over. I think maybe they're not having those conversations. But also don't forget the towns that are going to be, um, the pipeline is going to pass through are also going to be affected. So mm. that's, but it's good for them. Towns come up because of um such an infra- yeah, infrastructure yes yeah. yeah yeah so if they see because i think it's going to pass through siolo it's going to pass through eldoret you know some some of those towns so they're going to come up mm. they're also going to come up so it means banks will be in some of those towns you know hospitals medical you know medical care will be there people will come set up shops supermarkets and everything so it's not all, exactly yeah. it's not all doom and gloom yeah. so if it's done right it can actually it can actually blow up and be something int- very good people can actually move from some some of these areas you know to create yeah. employment opportunities from there so i mean if you want to set up a supermarket and there's a supermarket on you know a, 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 it's a it's a pipeline town there needs to be supermarket there needs to be healthcare there needs to be food you know there needs to be water some of those things so it's a good thing that the pipeline is actually coming up because of the towns that are actually going to you know come up because of those um of that pipeline. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What about business opportunities for a person looking to benefit perhaps just a person who savvy has a business mind and is looking at this. For example, setting up a refinery, etc. Ah. You know, for a person listening who perhaps would want to venture into this and see if there's some way they can set up and provide a solution and that will make a profit. What are some of those opportunities? Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Um I'll tell you a story when I was working um at pre- my previous organization, I met um a group of women. They were supplying um eggs to talo yeah. um, so talo had created like a local supplier development um scheme whereby they were giving it's like this um 30% government has eh? mm. so they were targeting uh, women and uh, youth and then they were so these women were targeted and they were said look we will give you the training that needs to supply for you to supply eggs and vegetables and we will you know we'll give you the opportunity to supply so they, they, they it was a group of women they're called akiberan they were supplying um, talo with this you know with these eggs and they would mm. supply it constantly because what now what i can say about the oil and gas sector is very interesting they outsource everything mm. pens papers water tents literally you know everything so it means the opportunities are endless if you want to even supply staples you know if you want to supply milk you can be able to supply milk and it's not as difficult as it looks because all you need to do is of course register a company number one um look for the funding sometimes these sometimes there are very many schemes you know guarantee schemes that actually give money to these organizations and i know yeah. at the point at which talo was you know doing active business in kenya there were banks that were actually giving money to people who wanted to supply you know to supply talo so if you are actually in the tendering business you know you're in the tendering business and you can supply papers pens just look out for those opportunities once talo you know once we get a proper um, uh, somebody to do development and production and you can be able to supply so akiberan were doing they were doing that consistently and do you know at the end of the day they ended up buying a refrigerated truck these are women who women Gosh. in Turkana who had no form of education who yeah. had nothing then when Talo approached them and told them form yourselves in a group we will we will find somebody to give you the funding and they got the funding and they supplied eggs for a couple of years these are women who now own a truck now they do supply in you know Kitale Eldoret but they didn't have this opportunity before Talo came with, along yeah. yes so when you're looking at some of these things um they are opportunities if you're just looking for them but i must caution and i must say the sector is very different quality and standards are very very high mm. so if you're supplying food for example if you're serena somewhere or you're um, let me say a mama rocks somewhere and yeah. you feel like you want to expand into this thing mm. you need to understand that these people um oil companies they really really value the quality mm. so you may have to actually go out of your way to study and see the quality of the food that they want so if they say for example they want they, they want you to be to, to be doing their catering during the day it means your food has to be up to you know up to standards up to you have to fit all the health you know you have to meet all the health standards you have to meet all the food you know food hygiene standards and things like those even the people cooking the food the food has to be fresh every day 
Turkana is in the middle of nowhere. Where are you going to source your vegetables from? Where are you going to source your eggs from? So it means you have to actually think through this and say, okay, this is something I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. But the your quality, they really, really insist on quality. I don't think people should shy away from it because there are also training opportunities. Yeah. That you, can, you can actually train, you can provide your HR services, you can provide security services. I know somebody used to provide water. He just, you know, tanks, you bring in the water tanks, you, you yeah. supply water. The opportunities are endless if you're looking for the opportunities. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. I mean, I had no idea that um, about the whole process of the oil. You know, we just, as you said, you know, we just think there's oil, there's money, but yeah. there's a whole chain yeah. now with you know with tallow oil and 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 the food aspects, security, yes. Yes. water, yes. just simple things like that that we we never really think about. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's quite an industry. The industry has a money. Yeah. Even yeah. before, can you imagine we've not gotten the oil out of the ground? And, and, yes, and <laughs> these people are already buying refrigerated trucks. Yeah. Yeah. These are women in Lodwa who could have... Do you know, when I went the first time I went to Lodwa, to Lokicha now where, where the oil is, yeah. do you know there was not a single bank? These guys mm. have to go all the way from Lokicha, maybe 100, 200 kilometers to do banking. So mm. that means there's an opportunity for banks. Yeah, to open another branch over there. Yes, yeah. there's an opportunity yeah. for your equities, your CB and CBAs, you yes. know, your cop banks to actually get into load and open yes. banks. That means what? Employment. Yeah. Yes. It means who, the tellers, you know, the yeah. people are going to work in the bank, that's employment. Yes. There's an opportunity for you if you have a water company, if you have an electricity company, if you have a cyber cafe. Mm. I mean, yeah. internet. Yes. That's fiber for you. That's Safaricom for you. That's Jami Telecom. So you can imagine the employment that can come out of it. Transport. Yeah. People need yes. to move from Eldoret to Kitale, from Kitale to Lodwa. Mm. How are they going to move? So you're looking at, if you're going to look, if just the micro and the macro economy. Oh yeah. my God. Massive. It's, I'm telling you, yeah. food, clothing, people need to dress up. Yes. What are they going to wear? Yeah. People mm. need to go to their dunda. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? Uh, can you, I've been seeing this, this, you know, this um guys on Twitter who've been doing that child be desert um the tours. You tours, see this? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you should do the Turkana tour. Yeah. Turkana is a big I've been told. Oh, Turkana is beautiful. There's there's that aspect. So you see, even you sitting in Nairobi, you want to go to Turkana. Are you going to fly? Are you going to, you know, are you going to drive? Yeah. Are you going to do some of those things? Those are economies that are coming up that would never have come up. So if you're looking at the whole, you know, the whole Trukana economy, the whole oil economy, oh, it's going to touch very many people. So um, we need, government needs to do something about that. Like we need to get that oil out of the ground. Let's find a way to get it out of the ground so that the ripple effect, the Lodwa, the Kitale, the Eldoret, you know, coming down to Nairobi, coming down to you seated here, Mm. you know, you can be able to sit down and say, okay, I'll partner with somebody, we'll supply eggs. I'll Mm. partner with somebody, we'll supply paper. You know, it's as simple as you saying, okay, this is good quality paper. Where can I get good quality paper? If this is not good quality, you seek out good quality paper and supply. Because they're always looking for people, you know, to to supply some of these things. Okay. Another thing that has always intrigued me is Mm -hmm. how to manage communities who feel entitled to, you know, the resources that are actually where they've been. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to ask that actually. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Uh, One, the displacement of people. Mm-hmm. Two, the environmental impact yes. um, yeah. that the oil and gas has. Mm-hmm. So what what are your thoughts on, you know, those kind of things? Ah, communities are the biggest stakeholders. Mm. You, you cannot simply ignore them. Even though oil is, you know, the purview of the national government. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's it's a national resource. Exactly. Yes. So yeah. everybody is supposed to benefit. But the most interesting thing about oil is always found in the most remote of areas. You will never find oil in Nairobi. In Kajado, mm. you will never. <laughs> but Uko in Turkana, in the middle of nowhere, yeah. I mean, yeah. at Ukienda, your network, you there's no Airtel, there's no Safari, there's nothing. Yeah. You're just in the middle of nowhere. It's just dust and sun. Interesting thing is um, the community currently, as we speak, 10 years, maybe 10, 12 years later, the communities have become really, really enlightened. Because also don't forget there was displacement of people. As I mentioned, these people are pastoralists. They move from one place to another, you know, looking for water and... um, food for their for their cattle yeah so um because of technology and because of the way the world is moving they have now been forced to settle and i'm saying it in quotes settle. to settle some most of them are still moving around mm. but because of the way the world is moving people have been forced to settle secondly um there have been those um conversations on what we're doing around community land so there's a community land act mm. 
2012 that has been able to facilitate the, some of those conversations on how government is having those conversations. So there were issues around, of course, displacement of people, um, resettlement compensation. Um, those things are rife. But you community engagement. Um, currently, what I'm doing, community engagement is is key. Is key because you have to explain to these people what exactly the way I've explained to you. This yeah. is a 25, 30 year process. Mm. It's not something that you're going to get immediately, you know. And when people have, um, when they're actually doing the exploration, they will move. They will move people around. So one thing government has to do is, of course, secure somewhere else where these people can be moved to. Yeah. That has been happening. People have been moved around quite a bit. And then also don't forget, people also have to be compensated adequately. But how does that look? Also don't forget, different regions have different you know, parameters on compensation. I mean, if you're being moved around in Nairobi, it's different in terms of the monetary value yeah. around it. And if, if you're being moved around in, in Turkana, of course, you have to look at the asal areas. Now, of course, they're going to look at the productivity of the land, where this person has been moved, what the land was being, you know, what the land was being used for. So there has been those... Co- uh, those conversations um luckily the community land act um 2016 has really really helped um with some of those conversations um yes it's still an issue i won't uh, i wouldn't lie but uh, right now at least there's a bit of capacity there's a bit more capacity on how people understand you know displacement of people uh, moving up and about yeah. so government has worked around it um have they done a good job um no, they could have done a better job but uh, con- now uh with the organization that i work with now we start having those conversations you know on, on, with people and telling them look yes this land does belong to you but also don't forget this people i have not registered their lands mm. so government is coming with that in the it's 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 a bad angle but it is the truth. For the, for the, since 2012, it's been telling them, look, register your land, register yeah. these community lands, and then now we can have conversations with you. So we've been pushing, we've been having those conversations with Poland, saying, register, register your land, so that when government is coming to compensate, who are they compensating? Yes. Yeah. yeah, so you're saying, fine, you're being displaced, but when government looks on the map, it's bare, this land hasn't been registered. So it's, yeah. not, it's not private land, what's happened? It, of course, compulsory acquisition happens for public use, you know, for, for use, of, and that's what government is going by, it's saying, look, we told you to register your land under the community land tax. You've not registered your lands. Okay, we want to, you know, we want to acquire this I land. I want to acquire, exactly. And do drilling. Yes. You know, and start exploration. Who are we going to compensate? And you guys want to come here up in arms and say, um, compensate us, compensate us. So we and will, I know it's a, it's a huge problem in the coast when it, it came is. to the, the railway. Yes. Yeah, the SGR yes. um, um, railway. So now if that is now happening with the pipelines and the drilling and the exploration, you yes. know, constantly being in court. Yeah, there's a yeah. battle back and forth. But yeah. um, we try, and also don't forget the social cultural issues around land. I mean, that is deep. It goes back a hundred, you know, two hundred years. Mm. Who the, I mean, the community is going to come and say, "With this, the the land is owned by the community." But government is not telling them, "No, no, 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 register your land. We accept this land belongs to the community, but we want to know where it is, yeah. so that when we are moving you or when we want to acquire the land for public use." you're adequately compensated. So those are the conversations we're having with people on the ground, educating them, you know, having them come for this public participation, having them, you know, contribute and say, okay, this X X belongs here, X clan belongs here, X Y clan belongs here, Z clan belongs here, we'll compensate you for X amount of money. Move here, we'll give you a amount of money. So it's too many moving parts, mm-hmm. <laughs> I must say. Yeah. Around the environmental thing, um, there's been issues around the waste. Um, there's been a lot of conversations around the waste. So... NEMA, EMCA, EMCA, the, the act, eh, the Environmental and Management Act, has uh, quite unfortunately not, it's not, um, does not cover a lot of oil and gas activities. Robust. It's not as robust. Similarly, yeah. I mean, you, you you can't fault them. We didn't yeah. have this oil and gas when it was being created. Exactly, yeah. In, you know, is it 2009? Yeah. 2009, is it 2009? Yeah. I think it's 2009. Yeah. Okay, as it's 2009, yeah. So they've been grappling. Imagine you're here, you're, you're telling them, look, this is what you want to do with our waste. They're like, ah, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. And um, so one capacity, NEMA does, might not have the adequate capacity to actually know how to handle the waste. You cannot fault them. That is not uh, their primary key role, you know. Mm. They've not been doing that. The act does not provide for it. So you can, you are, we're having capacity issues at NEMA. We're having Talo here saying, look, we have waste. Do we track it? Do we move it? Do we take it to a facility and, uh, you know, dispose of it? Do we leave it in Lodwa? Or do we, so do we leave it in Lokichar? Those are the issues that have been happening around, you know, issues around the environment. So I think the matter is still in court, it's still uh, before NEMA. So I know NEMA had told them to move it to Molo. Then somebody had come to court and said, no, 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 you can't move the waste. I mean, can you imagine moving waste, mm. the, moving all this waste from uh, Lokichar all the way to Molo? Yeah. yeah. So well, the, now the, the argument was, can we find an, um, a company that can be able to do waste management 
engagement in Lokichar. In, yeah, exactly there. Yeah. Yeah, so you can imagine. So they still the back and forth. Regulation is very scanty. Um name I, I hope uh, somebody someone is in parliament you know trying to table a bill and say look how are we going to know do amendments on this act so that it can also be able to provide for um waste because there's also gas flaring don't forget there's issues around gas flaring mm. that's going into the air there's issues around um this waste going into water it means you know affecting p- drinking water and um, issues reproductive issues i mean the the list is just endless yeah so if you're thinking around it down the the, the line let's go back to the issues on reg- legislation i think when it's time now we sit back and say okay legislation what are we doing around legislation mm. how are we going to beef up our legislation yes we do have the acts but are they good enough you know to support um the sector as is because what normally happens is if you're running after if a, if a company comes and they do something and the law is actually running after the uh, after, the, after the company yes after what has been done yes can you can you imagine yeah. can you imagine the disaster the damage has already been done yeah. Yeah. exactly exactly so we can hold back a bit um uganda has been holding back in the creating laws you know around local content they you know them they've not issued an official license to actually do uh, production and development mm. yeah talo was in uganda uganda doing a bit of exploration sinok the chinese company talo uh, total has also been in uganda but museveni has been clear and he has said no no no, no wait first let's create our laws yeah. let's create the infrastructure and then we give you a license to actually do production yeah. that makes sense to me because also if like, i'm just thinking out, out of the top of my head if we're following the company now the act is becoming so punitive exactly because now other companies will not want to come and do um any oil and gas True. industry yeah because now the, the Pre- it becomes so punitive yes yes because now we are trying to fix the mistakes that this mm-hmm. previous company made mm-hmm. and nature yeah. goes a vacuum mm. if there's a vacuum what happens the the laws of the jungle take place if talo today tells you look we don't have or an operator today tells you look we don't have a law around this create something as we go along mm. what will happen if that law does not suit if sinok wants to come into the country yeah. if total wants to come into the country mm. they have nothing to fall back on mm. so if you allow an operator to come you know they have such big negotiating power because they have money yeah. it's a money game mm. if today i'm putting the money on the table and i'm saying i can be able to get the oil out of the ground what is going to happen you're going to side with that person who has the money and you know what happens when somebody dangles a carrot they keep mm. pushing the parameters yes. yes today you allow them they'll do this today yes. they'll track today they'll not be able to uh, deal with the waste properly mm. you'll cover that and you'll say ah it's okay it's fine they get you close your eyes you're like oh my god they're getting the oil out of the ground yeah. it's fine tomorrow yeah. they'll be like ah i think we'll flare the gas today Mm. So what's going to happen about that? Ah local content. I mean we've given you 30 slots, 30 engineers, you know, 30 understudies. Ah we're not going to give you geologists. We're going to bring in all mzungu geologists. What's going to happen with that? So we can't have that. You can't have the law following, you know, the you know this the trend. Yeah. Exactly. They have a big bargaining chip. Yeah. So we need as we have time. I think at this opportunity we have a time as a country and um to sit down and actually reflect and actually think okay how is this oil beneficial to me i think my personal opinion the oil can be a catalyst let's not use it to aid for anything else other than it being a catalyst for other industries the manufacturing industry you know even the agricultural industries you know we can use it as an opportunity to say let's beef up what we're getting out of the ground mm. because if you have a tea industry that does not have proper factories it what happens you always exporting 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 mm. why can't we like the raw tree and then it's brought back exactly. and then we buy it as actually those buyback bags. contracts are real eh? yeah. like you get the oil out of the ground you take it back and then you buy yeah. it back yeah home. you see why you no yeah it doesn't make sense but if you have a refinery here that can be able to do that why not and you know with a refinery the good things that you can always buy crude oil refine it locally it'll be cheaper mm. but if you buy it after it's been refined it's very expensive, expensive. somebody has added value yeah. yeah yeah so buy it crude when ours is done buy it from your neighbor Uganda yeah. it'll be cheaper yeah. i mean if you offer them good incentives and tell them look we're neighbors man mm. can we do something about the region let's beef each other we give you labor you, you give, give us crude oil yes i mean traditional butter trade yeah. why can't yeah. we think about that you know so there's so many there, there's so many positives and i hope um as a, as government you know now the, the ball is in the court of the government mm. so which, whichever way they decide you know on how to get the oil out of the ground we just have to sit in you know and, and wait. wait yeah yeah for me my last question would be as a person who's very passionate about gender issues and financial inclusion of women mm-hmm. um i know you have an interest you know in gender yes. and how it plays in the extractive sector yeah. i was wondering if you could discuss that a bit <laughs> women in the extractive <laughs> center yeah you know so as like, a woman in the gender in the extractive where do you want me to start yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i think i would say this it's um let me start from the proverbial it's a, a male dominated sector mm. i mean um 
and it's, it's actually not a line. It's actually not a line when you throw out there because I mean, if you look at the engineers, if you look at the geologists who are actually working in the sector, it's a boys' club. And by default, I mean, it's oil. It's supposed to be technical. And um, mm. so then the men gravitate towards it because it's exciting. I mean, the machines and the technicality of the industry. But um, I think it's important for us to think about the women that can actually benefit from it. Let's even take the bottom-up approach. And I'm saying that with a pinch of salt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that with a pinch of salt. Please yeah. do not quote me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you're looking at that approach, if we can even, as I told you about the, the women, the Akiberan group that is in Turkana, they're an all-women group. There are 100 women who have, you know, come up and said, look, we are going to be in this sector by hook or crook. Mm. We are going to be the ones supplying tallow with the vegetables. Or then they were supplying tallow with the vegetables, the eggs, etc. So I think it's just the women who need to come up and say, this is an opportunity for us, you know, in the industry to come up. That is on the supplier, you know, the supplier side. Because now... Interestingly enough is that there are very many incentives for women. Interestingly enough, I mean, if Talu had their own quota for women to meet, it means if they were not meeting that quota, it is, I only know of Akibaran and, two, and a few other groups who are actually supplying Talu. It means there's still enough space for women to actually get into it. Mm. And there's also enough money for women outside there. I know banks are giving money for women. I know... And circles are giving money for women to actually get into these technical groups. I know there are very many organizations, TVET organizations that are actually, um, you know, doing trainings. trainings. Exactly. Yeah. They, and they are saying, look, this class has 30 people. 15 have Must to be, be women. Exactly. Yeah. And this class is not fully constituted if it does not have 15 women, you know. Mm -hmm. And I know very many companies are actually going out of there to actually employ women and say, look, we are not, this is, it's a field recruitment if you know, women did not, you know, did, did not apply for this. So I think there are very many opportunities around gender. The women actually need to come up and look for it. But I also come into the sector seeking women to also want to learn. Because mm. don't come here with the entitlement that you're a woman. It's a technical institution. I actually went out of my way to go to school yeah. Yeah. because I didn't want to come in, you know, the back door. Yeah. You yeah. know, you have to demonstrate your competence. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that normally comes out, and especially for women, I know we, are, we work twice as hard, but for me, I felt it was important for me to actually come and say, look, these are my papers. This I went to school. I actually took the time to go out and study this sector and come into the sector so that competent enough because, I mean, at some point, you'd be labeled a fraud mm. um, when you're in the sector and you're not, you know, you're not competent enough. So I urge the women to, one, seek out this opportunity in terms of this, um, the you know the, the tendering opportunities, the supplying opportunities, and also seek out the money because th the money there are many institutions who are willing and ready and ready to actually, you know, cut back even on the parameters for giving you money. I mean, they'll tell you, okay, fine, go and register a company, and that's it. You bring your company, we'll give you the money yeah. because there are so many other parameters, and then they'll train you. I know many institutions who are training. And they're telling women, look, this is how business is done. This is why you should bank your money. From your money, you can be able to get a loan, et cetera, et cetera. Then go on the education bit. I urge women to you know do the, this technical engineering courses. Women welders, we need more women welders. We need more women geologists, you know, outside there. Also women seeking leadership. Because um, if you're not, if we, I think I would look at, I'd be more willing to, uh, you know, go for a position as a woman when another woman has gotten that position. Yes. Yeah, because it often works like, like that, yeah. Yeah. It just takes one person to yeah, take the to, chance and then exactly. now everyone. Yeah. yeah, so you look around and you're like, ah, that woman, she has, uh, she's me, I'm her. Yes. She looks like me, she dresses like me. Yes. So why wouldn't I apply for that position and why wouldn't I, you know, why wouldn't I get that that position? So it's just one of those things of breaking barriers. It's a song, the, the same songs, we, you know, we sing. And also, I, I mean, trying to put yourself out there as, um, an authority in this sector. Um, mm. Read, you know, take speaking opportunities, take panel opportunities, just be out there so that when the opportunities are there, you know, um, get into them. Also partner with men because yeah. there's so many other men outside there who are willing to actually partner with women to actually do this thing because they understand that women are good with their hands, they're good with mm. the technical bit or they're good with the back office kind of things. So the man is more brazen and he'll come up and say, okay, I'll do this opportunity. But if he's willing to partner with a woman at the back and, and carry, a woman who can be able to actually take up the mantle of that company and be, you know, introduce the soft skills into the company. Mm. So there are opportunities. Um, I'm here. I mean, I'm seated over here. Yeah. Yeah. So there are opportunities for women, but uh, you have to really develop a tough skin and you have to know your staff because if you're there without the education and the knowledge, people will really, really dismiss you yeah. because of the 
technicality mm. you know of the industry so we need um, to get more women in the stem industry yes yeah. yes we do actually yeah. actually and from a word go you know when you're introducing why when, when when people are being introduced to courses you know even in you in high school yeah, yeah. Tell somebody they can become a petroleum engineer. Yeah, I know exactly. one. Yeah. I know two actually yeah. three who are very in, in currently in our country and yeah. they are doing very well. They worked for Talo, yeah. you know, and they did a very good job. And they were, and you know, they would you'd come to the site, and the it was quite unfortunate. You come to the site and a man would be looking for the head engineer. Then this and woman looking, yeah. shows up. She, <laughs> she's the head engineer. So that's the head engineer. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But what I'm also seeing is people usually tend to dismiss technical um, and vocational training. Yes. To better yes. education. But I think it's right now we, it's right. Maybe yes. it's yeah. a big ticket. I yes. In fact, if your cousin or your auntie or your what has just finished uni, has just finished high school. High school. Encourage TVs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because one, first of all, it's 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 time. It, you know, Right, right now, if you don't have time to do four years, mm. you can actually do a one year, a six months course, and yeah. you become a plumber. Do you know how it is to get a plumber today? Yeah, yes. exactly. You do know an electrician yeah. on speed dial. Yes. Have you have to call three people mm. to be yeah. like, Hey, yeah, do, I actually yeah. had that conversation with someone. You know, we yeah. can't all be doctors and not have a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The day, you, let me tell you, everybody's house has electricity. Yours doesn't have. Yeah. Of course, what is, it's it's, a, it's an issue with the lake in the house. Yeah. So you ha- you cannot call Kenya Power because Kenya Power, mm. that's not Kenya Power's work. Yes. You need an electrician. Yes. How many electricians do you know today? Actually, yeah. you will call three people, my friend. Yeah, before you actually get someone. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you'll probably get somebody who purports yeah. To be to, an electrician. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and then they come and mess you up. Yeah. But you know, one of our clients, Andrew, actually, he basically just does piping yes. for, for, for houses. He actually was a plumber, but now does professionally. Mm-hmm. When he goes into a construction and development, he works out the plumbing and the piping. And he's, he has a very successful business. Business. Yeah. Yes. You know. Yeah. And, and so I was wondering, like, he actually didn't go to school to do the mainstream, old-fashioned, professional thing. Mm-hmm. So it made me change my perspective. About technical yeah, people. About technical yeah. people. Do you know how much a petroleum well that earns about 65,000 that's USD what no a welder per year <laughs> welding kuchomelea oh my god. let me see let me put it that way you see those guys at Grogon who have that thing on na wanachomelea desks yes wanachomelea ile sanduku ya high school you know that metal sanduku yes. used to take to high school for me yes. they gave children to send USD oh my yes. god no. USD that it, is yeah, you quit your job. Yeah. You quit your job. <laughs> By the you way. quit your job and you yeah. I want to be a welder. Which is, which is not fantastic <laughs> because now, you know, like our parents really were pushing us to go into very technical, you know, be a lawyer, be a doctor, yeah. be a pilot, you yeah. know, be an accountant. Yeah. But now, if you had the skills yeah. when you were in secondary, hands. using your hands exactly. and you can make, I mean, you know, the, the point of education is to make a good salary. Yes. yes. To, yeah. yeah. So if you can use your hands as well. Yes. yes. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. The other day, I got an election to do some work for me. Man, the quote, I'm walking around with that quote because I'm like, I have to wait for the end of the month. So that I'm going to pay this guy. And it's like, I'm not taking half. Yeah. I want everything. I'm yeah. like, bruh, people take payments, kido, kido, go. like take little money yeah. so that I can be able to, you know, electricians, plumbers, welders, you know, yeah. this, your, you know, the things you can do with your hands. Yeah. Welders are highly paid. Yeah. If you Google it, you'll see. And instead of dismissing the children who just finished high school, perhaps they got C's. And yes, yeah. yes. Because I came from a, I came from an era where getting an E minus was like the bare minimum. Like yeah. now, anyone below that, you know. I mean, you are yeah. not considered, you know, fit for society. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And now, you're okay, not thinking that failure tag on you yet. Yes. You can draw. You can <sighs> paint. You can yeah. construct things. I mean, yes. this kid removes the remote and returns the remote back. Yeah. You want to beat the hell out of this child. Umeharibu remote. Yeah. Has it ever occurred to you? Oh, I was listening. Yes. Someone said that in a podcast I was listening to yeah. this morning. Has it in ever Africa, occurred like, to you? Like in America or in, in Europe, a child yeah. will take apart a, a remote and the parent will be like, there's potential exactly. over yeah. here. Exactly. But in Africa, now who's going to fix that? Hey. Uh, this is going to cost me money. Whoa. Not even that. You, you, you fix that remote and you're carrying it to work every day. So that yeah. the kid can... <laughs> doesn't take it apart. Exactly. Yeah, instead of seeing that it's a mindset. It's a mindset thing. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine even you trying to learn how to, you know, fix wires, put everything. Your mom be like, no, 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 no. Hey, hold up, hold up. <laughs> you got to be a doctor. You need to wear a suit. Yes. You need to be out there on the rat race like everybody else. Not yeah. all of us. Some of us are not wearing suits because of that very reason yeah. of maybe we are not meant to be a lawyer. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. you're not meant to be a doctor. You're meant to do something else. I, when I was, <laughs> when I just finished high school, I told my mom, I told my dad, 
I want to go to hairdressing school. My <laughs> <laughs> You want to go where? <laughs> to do what? I look at Ashley's now. Yeah. Yeah, look at Ashley's now. Can you imagine? Look mm. at the people who are doing makeup. Yeah. Oh my god, the makeup artists are raking it. Raking it photography. In. They are raking yes. it. Yeah, as yeah. in Ben Kiruthi doing his pro photography. I mean, he gives you a quote, it's a million yeah. shillings. No wait. Yes. <clears throat> Hold up. Yes. My friend, he clicks, he takes a camera and he does this. A million yeah. bob in the bank. Yes. So, and I can imagine with little overhead costs. Yes. Yeah. All he needs to do is a car, transport his equipment, move around with you. Yeah. Mm. So we need to, we we are in us in an era where we go, we need to change this this narrative. Yeah. Allow your kids to be whatever they want to do. If today they want to be photographers, videographers, makeup artists, you know, mm. morph. Allow people to also morph because the world is changing. I mean, social media influencing. Mm. Who would have known? That you can actually earn <laughs> a salary, yes, uh, yes, a huge one. I hear you can even well. earn a hundred dollars on YouTube. Oh, that's a minimum you can earn. You can actually earn a hundred. That's minimum. Once you start getting um, what is the clickbait and those yeah. things, the views, you can actually earn a hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Where do you know somebody will just give for just putting a video and saying, "Oh, my my makeup looks like this. I bought this pen from so and so." Yeah. yeah. Allow people to just, you know, allow people to be and I think that 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 should reflect in some of these industries. Yeah. The, the world is changing because mm-hmm. of the as I said because of the pipeline and yes. you know these services that the the extractors need and yes. uh, they we should be able to develop our industries. Yeah, so yeah. finishing up on your gender thing. I actually uh, did a chapter on a book last year and mine was gender and technology. So I was looking at how technology is going to impact women. Yeah. So I was looking at, I actually did it around artificial intelligence because I'm looking at the future. I'm mm. saying, look, this is the future. People are going to go into technology, but how does it affect women? So I was saying women also have an opportunity. You know, when men are scrambling to learn how to, you know, do blockchain or they're learning how to do 3D computing, what are the opportunities for women? So that's what I was looking at. And I think um, I'll send, I'll send you a link to the, to the chapter. So I was looking at it and saying, in 10 years' time, we'll no longer be doing the traditional extraction, you know, bringing in machines. We'll actually be using AI to actually do extraction. But yeah. what is the position of women at this point? So that those are the opportunities I was saying for women. I think it's an opportunity for us to actually run ahead of everybody else, get into the technology phase and learn artificial intelligence, you know, 3D computing, you know, pick a st- pick a st- pick an area of study that is unconventional. And when people are actually trying to look for people who are actually in these things, you are there, you're in the monies, you're able to sit down and say, look, no, people are no longer digging. We are using technology to actually mm-hmm. find the oil or to actually get the oil out of the ground. So that's, that's, that's my, that's my, that's my contribution to oil, gas and mining. That's my contribution to gender. Yeah. It's something I'm passionate about. And hopefully with time, you know, we can be able to now have you no know, proper conversations on you know the contribution of women and, and even quantify it because right now it's just can't it's all over the place yeah. but we uh, you know properly going to quantify it and it's going to be it's going to work for us moving forward okay yeah gosh. yeah thank you so much i know yeah Alaka, as we said you know an army of women yeah. <laughs> and coming into this expected to be a very you know. technical conversation yeah. but it's venture towards thought leadership yeah. and different things uh-huh. yeah. so it's been a very enriching conversation thank Alaka. you thank, thank you, you. you know, i hope you've learned something oh, oh my. a lot <laughs> <laughs> it was in a classroom like a I'm just like, yeah. 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 full it's, field it's development plan yeah. yes um it EOPS, I think. EOPS. EOPS. Early oil pilot scheme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exploration, um, about the exploration, about the pipeline, the cities that can be developed or the towns that can be developed yes. along the pipeline, yeah. you know, yeah. the industries, mm-hmm. bring, bringing back all these industries that we let go yeah. in, in the country yeah. to yeah. now supply. Yeah. So there's there's a whole, it's a whole like circle. It is. That actually it's just yeah. interconnected. It yeah. actually is. So yeah. thank you very much for having me. Asante Sana. It's been really nice. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you have any questions, you can email us. Um, our email is info at gvalawfirm.com. You can hit us up on our website. Our website is gvalawfirm.com. Or you can reach us on LinkedIn. Our LinkedIn handle is at Kara and Badgama Advocates. Thank you guys for joining us. It's been really nice and a special thank you to our guest, Alaka Lu Gonzo. And um, just a reminder to anyone who's wondering where this podcast is recorded, where this law firm is, we are located in Westlands along Muthithi Road, number 56. And you can reach our offices at 0718-870-167. That's 0718-870-167. And that's it for us for episode 23. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Let's get real.